taste to. Hi, Glenn. I can't even remember what we did the first half of the podcast because the second half was just blew me away. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was three guests that I uh, can't even believe are out there talking about this. It seems like these are the type of people that get, you know, banished to oh, dungeons. They are in trouble. <laughs> they are in trouble. Um, we have a great show start to finish for, uh, for you today. Brought to you by um, Jace Medical. This is really an important. I'm really proud to have Jace Medical on with us. The American Society of Healthcare Pharmacists, okay, group that tracks the production of medications around the world. They've, they've said, ah, you should just let everybody know there's a, well, there seems to be a worldwide shortage of antibiotics, especially something probably nobody's ever heard of, amoxicillin. Oh, okay, so there's a shortage of that. Good. Now there's a shortage of that. Mm-hmm. What happens if there's any kind of supply line trouble? And I know that will never happen because the world is so freaking stable right now. You have to protect yourself and your family. The Jace case, J-A-S-E, the Jace case from Jace Medical. It's a great way to keep yourself prepared for the worst. You might have food supply, but do you have antibiotics? They offer a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and so much more. Darla wrote in, she said, my child developed an infection while we were on vacation. Luckily, we always travel with a Jace case. I started her on antibiotics and the infection cleared up. Her doctor later told us that it was likely the antibiotics from Jace case that saved her life. Don't get caught unprepared. Don't get caught in shortages. Take this pressure off. Think ahead. JaceMedical.com. Yeah, that's where you'll find the Jace case. JaceMedical.com. Use the promo code BECK10 at checkout. You'll save 10 bucks off your order. JaceMedical.com. Offer code BECK10. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hello, Stu. Glenn. Mm. How are you? Oh, fantastic. It's a good day. Good day to be an American. Well, I mean, besides the fact that, you know, Richard Trumpkin now says, oh, we're not trying to ban gas stoves. Oh, really? I, I can't take the Republicans pounce on gas stove it's culture a conspiracy war. Theory. Oh my god. Did you hear yesterday that Washington state this study came out and it's it's full of holes. Full of holes. The most extensive study on natural gas and uh and cooktops and heating in your home and everything else. It it shows there's absolutely no impact as long as you're not this is really the way this study did it. The one that that, you know, was like, we got to get rid of natural gas. They sealed the house like in plastic. So if you have no ventilation and natural gas, it might affect your children with asthma. Well, I don't know. I don't live in a plastic bubble with my stove. It's required to have venting on your stove. Anyway, this is craziness. Um, Washington State in November already already changed it. You can't build a house now in Washington State 
with a gas stove. It has to be electric. Yeah, we're, we're squarely in that time where they say, what are you, crazy? We would never do that, oh, but God. we should because look at all these right. effects, but we would never. No, we, Why are you such a conspiracy theory? But have you ever thought about it before? Because we should really probably do it right now, but oh, I can't believe you're bringing it up. All right. It's that type of thing. It's, that, it's over and over mm-hmm. and over again. They buy time by convincing half of the population that it's a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. May I bring up ESG, the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. Okay? Conspiracy theory not happening. It's happening. And half of America knows it and knows what it really means. You're luckily in that half. Hopefully, you're in that half. If you're not, you're a new listener. Welcome. You will understand it soon. Last night, I did a special, and you can find it on YouTube, although I did utter the words The Great Reset several times which is a no-no on YouTube. You cannot say The Great Reset. It's the name of my book. Cannot good, say Good marketing it. idea there, by the way, by you. Um, well, it wasn't banned. <laughs> no, it wasn't banned uh, when until, you did it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should we, have just predicted the whims right. of YouTube. Right, right. Well, I'm going to call my next book YouTube. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's up on YouTube. You can, uh, I think... You can certainly check it out at uh, Blaze TV, where it will be protected and live forever on Blaze TV on demand. But last night I talked about the war on land, uh, on fuel, all of it. Food. What is happening with our food is outrageous. And I'm going to give you some some things here that you will not believe in in about eight minutes. You will say, no way that's true. You're going to have to look it up, and I'll give you the address and everything else. Okay. Right now, 40% of farmland in America, 40, is owned by Americans over 65. Our farmers are dying out. So farmland, 40% of it, is going to go up for sale soon. Okay? And the way everything is structured the farmer's families usually can't afford to keep the farm when mom and dad die. So that means 370 million acres are going to come up of farmland, good American farmland, going to come up for sale soon. Now, the prices of farmland is skyrocketing for some reason. I mean, who wants farmland? You know, the the best and fastest way to become a millionaire as a farmer is start with two million. Okay, you're guaranteed to have a million dollars probably by the end of the year. It's a losing prospect. It is hard work, hard work, and you need good communities around you. So why is farmland prices going up? Well, a couple of reasons. COVID, people are like, yeah, I just want to be, you know, someplace other than California. And so then they buy, we'll raise chickens and we'll have eggs and maybe we'll have a goat. And the first winter and the first harvest, they're like, (laughs) and they run back someplace in the city. A few months ago, a farm in Iowa sold for $25,000 per acre to say that land prices are skyrocketing is an understatement so who is buying all of the farmland well blackrock buying up record record shattering amounts of homes for farms it's people like bill gates now i don't know about you but bill gates 
buying up 300,000 acres spread out. Remember, 40% of the farmlands, 40% owned by 60, uh, 65 and up, 40%. How many acres did I say that was? 370 million. 40%, 370. How many acres does Bill Gates have now? He's approaching 300 million acres. So that's kind of disturbing. One guy owning another 40% of our farmland, if these numbers are right, that's terrifying, especially a guy who believes in, you know what? We, well, we shouldn't have cattle. Uh, We shouldn't have milk. And, you know, I can genetically fix these animals because I am God. And also, more disturbingly, this is the guy who approved Clippy. Yes. The the little paper clip that would give you recommendations on what to do in Microsoft Office. So I totally support Bill Gates in his little farmer expedition. He's going to be a good farmer. Anyway, um, you think he's done a lot of farming? You think Bill <laughs> has been out in the fields? Oh, sure. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. With getting. the hoe? 300, hmm? Uh, 37.6 million acres of U.S. farm and ranch land now held under foreign ownership. 37.6 million acres. Uh, they've doubled down recently, buying land in Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado. 40% growth rate in just 2020. One Chinese government-linked group bought farmland near Grand Forks Air Force Base in North Dakota. No problem there. No problem. Not really seriously. Uh, Former member of the Chinese Communist Red Army bought land near Laughlin Air Force Base here in Texas. Uh, The windmill project that he's doing gives the Chinese yet another dangerous location next to a sensitive military base buyers from communist china bought 6.1 billion acres of farmland here in the u.s Hmm. by farm that's more than any other foreign buyer but it's just the chinese you know communist government that's doing it what could possibly go wrong by the way an update i said this last night ron DeSantis is the only guy that would do this he needs to ban china from buying farmland and guess what he did yesterday yeah he's banning china from buying farmland where are you texas where are you okay so you're seeing that our farmland is being put into the hands of either our enemies like bill gates or the chinese (laughs) so what are you gonna do Bill Gates, 300 million acres. 1,000, isn't it? 300,000 acres? You said 300 million. 300 million. Is it 300,000? Let me look at it. Uh, 300,000 acres, I guess. 300,000? Okay. It's a lot lot better. Still, yes. It's it's a lot lot of acres. acres. But much better (laughs) than 300 million. Okay. 300,000 acres. So he's got all this farmland. You know where he's going. He is fully with the World Economic Forum. Okay. So the World Economic Forum, what do they want to do? Well, they want to control the land. They want to control the food. They want to control the energy. They want to control the money. Well, if you do all of those things, you control you. Now, I'm going to take you to something, to the World Economic Forum, their own website. 
They have a section on smart cities. Oh, this is a really smart city. Like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Chicago, very smart. So the smart cities are the way to get all of our problems under control. Because you're going to, their plan is to force everybody into cities and leave the land alone. Remember, they have to, by 2030, and Biden's already done this, he's going to preserve 30% of all land in America. You can't, no humans will be on it. By 2050, it's 50% of all land. So where do the people go? The people all have to go into cities, but they'll be smart cities. Now, I want you to go to the World Economic Forum's website, and I want you to look this up for yourself because you will not believe what I'm about to tell you. But it's there currently in black and white. So you decide who's the conspiracy theory uh, theorist and who is actually lying to you. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I am thrilled to have Kay Yang on uh, with us. She is a deprogrammer, which I, too, did not know even exists. Um, she is the um, creator of StopFemaleErasure.com. She is truly amazing. Uh, she exposes the intersections of corporate, government, nonprofit collusion driving the transgender rights movement. She says a smokescreen for massive social engineering and propaganda war being used to facilitate female erasure in language, in law, and on a worldwide scale. Her work connects the dots between normalized practices of child sexualization and proliferation of biopharmaceutical transhumanist technologies. Man, I am going to love this woman. And frames these agendas as foundational to the colonization of the female body and the female um, reproductive control. Kay, welcome to the program. Wow, thank you so much, Glenn, for having me here and for this opportunity. Good morning. Good morning. I'm I'm so glad to have you on. Um, Let me make sure I have your... Uh, background right 10 years ago when no none of us were talking about this stuff you were working at an lgbt center that's right i was um in my early 20s is when i was working at an lgbt center it was a small local nonprofit, and um the funding was coming from the new york state department of health um, so that's a really important part of this as well, that the state was funding me to do the work that I was doing. Um, we were indoctrinating public school children with gender identity and transgender ideology. So we were actually being armed with rainbow colored propaganda that was sent to us from these large nonprofits like Glisten and Glad. And then we'd go into the schools, um, disarm the teachers really with these themes around acceptance, anti-bullying, suicide prevention. And then we would introduce children to the concept of gender identity and transgender. 
And we would use um, propaganda tools like the genderbred person, which you may have seen before, but your audience might not all be familiar with. It's a cartoon cookie character, and it teaches children to measure themselves and others by so-called womanness or manness or femaleness or maleness. Um, so we would take tools like this into the schools with us. We would visit uh, local area high schools and set up LGBT clubs and gay straight alliances. And wait, and hang on just a second. Okay, hang on just a second. Sure. You got sure. into the schools and the teachers were disarmed, assuming they had a problem. Uh, they were disarmed because you were coming in under the umbrella of the New York State Division of Family and Children Counseling, right? So you were coming in with state approval. That's right. And we were in there kind of um, under the idea of sexual health and um, and education, even though we were not experts. I had never been trained in sexual health, um, but I was considered an expert the moment that I took the job. I was billed as an expert to the, to the teachers. Um, and, and we were talking to these uh, students without the knowledge, uh, like without their parents' consent. You know, parents didn't know that we were having these after-school clubs. They didn't know that we were talking about sex, talking about sexuality, trans identities, and gender identity with these students. There was no knowledge or consent from parents. And this okay. was all considered okay. Okay, all right. So and this, this is years ago. This is you 10 years ago. What brought you from that to somebody who is helping parents deprogram their children? What, what, what changed in you? What was the moment that you were like, oh, crap, I'm on the wrong side? Well, a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things. Um, as soon as I saw this concept of a trans child, this was really concerning to me because at the time when I was working at the LGBT center, I had no idea that the work that we were doing was really paving the way for the manufacturing of the so-called trans child and also for people to accept this idea, right? Um, or that there would be medicalization or sterilization of healthy children in their bodies. Right. None of this was ever part of the work that we were doing. It never crossed my mind that this would be a thing. So yeah, 10 years ago, no one had ever heard of a trans child. But in 2019, the CDC did a survey, and it was claimed that one out of every 50 high school students in America was identifying as trans. So that's a huge increase. Yes. And all, yeah, and a lot of the reporting news media has attributed that uh, the increase to children feeling safe to come out and to them having like better data collection, but it's never attributed to this widespread social engineering that was going on. Um, <clears throat> and as soon as I heard this concept of a trans child, this was extremely alarming to me because if you went back in time <clears throat> and told me that what we were doing at the LGBT center would result in like this near future where three, four, five, six year old children are being paraded in front of international media, openly sexualized and groomed, you know, these drag kids, drag queen story time. I never would have believed this. 
Um, and really, there's no such thing as a trans child. And this becomes really obvious when you look back only one decade to a time when no one had heard of a trans child. It's corporate fiction. It's propaganda. No child is born in the wrong body. No person, whether an adult or a child, can change their sex. It doesn't really matter. You know, anything you do, you can put on makeup. You can change your clothes. You can, you know, drug yourself up with chemicals and wrong sex hormones or have these, you know, really invasive, medically unnecessary procedures. But it's never going to change the fact that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. So we have to stop lying to children. And when I saw that this um, this move, this so-called movement, it's not a real movement, but when I saw this turn towards the focus on children and telling children that they could be born in the wrong body and moving them on a path towards, um, you know, medicalization, this really shocked me and scared me. So... Um... Because you're into the transhumanist movement and everything we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I, I, I believe that we are living in a time where um, a lot of people are useful idiots and a lot of, a lot yeah. of the people that, that believe you know, in um, you know, the stuff that you were teaching – a lot of them might be really well-intentioned and uh, believe that, you know, this is really something, you know, whatever. But there is, um, you know, I said last hour, I don't know why liberals won't wake up because liberals were right. Conservatives were wrong. The liberals were the ones saying the United States government is just colluding with corporations. And eventually they're just it's going to be one giant corporation. I think the collusion between the government uh, and, you know, in this case, pharmaceutical companies or whatever, uh, that collusion is what's really, truly driving all of this stuff. And they are using these organizations um, and these organizations are going to be chewed up in the end is the minute they stop becoming a shill for uh, the the system, government and business. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, in terms of people uh, there being like a lot of useful idiots, I agree because I was one of those useful idiots, you know. Um, I was thinking that what I was doing was a good thing. It was the right thing. I thought my beliefs were correct and they were morally superior. Mm. I, you know, and now I know that I was wrong. And part of how I know that I was wrong is because I really started investigating the money behind um, what was mm. pushing this movement. And where, and, you know, and I have to, where does that lead? On. Well, you know, there's a lot of collusion going on because when I worked at the LGBT nonprofit, I didn't really think of it at the time. It was later in my life when I started investigating money behind other um, social movements right. that I realized that I could like take this analysis and apply it to the work I was doing at the LGBT nonprofit. So then I started to realize, like, wait a second, I was being paid by New York State to go into public schools to indoctrinate them with materials that were coming from large nonprofit organizations like Glisten and GLAD. And those organizations are partnering with, um, with the government and with foundations and the private sector. And all of this is being done to push this propaganda and target our children in the public school system. And you say this is to erase the female. 
Well, yes, that is really um, foundational to this entire thing. Um, First and foremost, they want to disrupt our sense of self and erase the division between the sexes because human beings are a sexually dimorphic species. There's males and there's females and everybody um, who does not fall into male or female, well, they actually still do. They have um, hormonal differences or chromosomal differences, Mm -hmm. but they still fall into one of the two. We're dimorphic, but this is being erased um, in our reality right now. And children are being taught that sex is a spectrum. Even the World Health Organization has recently, and you know, they're part of the United Nations. The World Health Organization recently said um, that they're going to be expanding their definition of sex and that um, they want to expand it to include people with trans and gender diverse identities. The best of the Glenn Beck program. We are focusing today based on a story that I found in the New York Post a couple of weeks ago. Um, we're focused on our children and the programming that they're going through and the deprogramming that they need. Um, there is a, I think her name is Dana Kennedy. She is a writer for the New York Post. She wrote this article. I read it and I had never heard of deprogrammers. You know, you hear of deprogramming people that are in cults, but I, I don't know why, because I believe that the Church of Wokeness is a religious cult. And it has its own doctrine, and it also has its, uh, uh, its punishments if you don't bow down to the right God at the right time. And our children are being indoctrinated. Well, Melinda Rockwell is a mom that I read about in that story. And her daughter needed reprogramming after college. And so we, we wanted to talk to her. Melinda, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you, Glenn, for having me. I love your show. I'm a great fan. Wait, you're from New York, though, aren't you? (laughs) Wow, that's weird. I am born and very much born and raised in New York, but I'm a reasonable, rational human being. Yeah, good for you. Um, So tell me about the situation with your daughter. What happened? Well, the situation was Annabella was a, um, you know, she she was from New York and raised part time uh, middle school Bahamas, traveled all over the world. We considered ourselves very open-minded, kind of gypsy in our thinking. And, you know, I always said rules don't apply to us because we're free thinkers. So we bent over backwards to get her into Ivy League or Seven Sister School. We did that. One of the reasons she went um, with a a coach, uh, Scott Williams, who was a major, major coach, respected. um, Agassiz's coach and Tommy Haas got her. I think he got her into Mount Holyoke few other schools, Bryn Mawr and everything. Mount Holyoke seemed mm. to be the least crazy of the schools because they had a top riding uh, team there. And she went off um, with a, she had a, a, a guy, a boyfriend, uh, very much in her life. And little by little, the friends there, who she hung around with a lot of kids that had gone to private school, um, you know, boarding school. So they had that in common because she'd gone to boarding school. Okay. Little by little, we don't like your boyfriend. We don't like him. We don't want him to visit here. You'll have to go visit him at Hobart if you want to see him. We don't like him. Mm. So little by little, and then the end of the second year, she said, Mom, I think I want to look at other schools. She came to look at in Florida, Lynn University, and was almost there. But, you know, the, the con is everybody around here, well, you can't leave Mount Holyoke. How could you ever right. leave Mount Holyoke? Right. You know, of course. And, of course, that's why we wanted her there for the sheepskin. So 
and I will say it, it when she shows that degree, she gets any job. It doesn't, you know, it's that it was that important. Anyway, by we certainly noticed uh, junior year by senior year. I didn't know who this kid was. And I mean, so seriously that I had I had a cousin that was in a cult. Uh, it was S Forum and she was oh, gone yeah. from the 70s, you know, right? Crazy. Yeah, but she got into it in the ninety in the um, in the nineties, huh. and uh, it was about seven years. And you know, withheld her grandchild from my aunt. It was all day long. My aunt lived in my building, so I was hearing, you know, I'm gonna, I've got to get a lawyer to get grandparents visitation rights. You know, although my my cousin took the check, I guarantee you, she took the money right. every month. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you, so, so you have recognize. actual cult experience in your family. You've seen it. Yes. And yes. But also I had been in a, uh, a theater in New York, the international, uh, the national improvisational theater in New York. It was in Chelsea. And I had no idea at the time that all these happy people were actually all Scientologists and they did try and push it. And I just, um, I got rid of them by saying, I have no money. I can't pay for your courses. Can't do it. No money. Bye-bye. And they actually left me alone. But, <laughs> but <laughs> You know, they don't give up easily. Yeah. So I recognize this. So anyway, by the time, and I did notice when I went to the parents' day, uh, these teachers at the college were speaking of gender and things in the German class. They were going on about indoctrinate about, about the patriarchy. I heard this and I thought, well, this is very strange. I knew, to me, they were lunatics. And I knew that Annabella wasn't going to fall for this because... You know, she was free thinking and we were, lib- you know, we were, we were normal, rational, yeah. you know. You were not necessarily New York hard. liberal. You were classic liberal. Classic liberal. We were ra- I was raised with a very powerful great grandfather who when, you know, we knew, we knew the real world. If you went against the system, if you ever spoke against him, he would literally uh, tell a newspaper magazine, we will withdraw our advertising. Mm. We knew the real, the real story. We knew you have to sort of work around it if you want to get your point out. So mm. for her to have been, I mean, she's, when I tell you she's traveled, she was in, you know, a month in India at 12 years old. You know, she's been around. So for this little hokey school of 2,000 people in Massachusetts to be able to get a 21-year-old's brain and completely crush her spirit, so much that she was a zombie. When she came home, she wouldn't come home for vacation unless she brought what we call the handler. She would bring a handler. And it's just, it was so insane to hear a robotic speech pattern. My mother, my sister, um, any family members were upset. Her father was a little oblivious to it because um, he was not living with us at the time. He was in New York with a mm. very very leftist girlfriend who was the niece of Larry Kramer mm. who founded ACT UP. Yeah. And he was gone as far as that. He, and he was bending over backwards to be the nice dad, you know, he so, is not that way anymore. He's completely understands what happened. So and he do, was with me. You know, uh-huh. Do, do, did you, did you have arguments with her? Was she, how, how was she different besides kind of zombified? She came when she did come home. She was trying to tell me about the patriarchy. And and now we understand that she was sent home with a mission from the school, from the teachers and the parents, the parents of these. I I can't call them liberal because they're not liberal. They're unaccepting. So I'll say lefty kids. The parents were all pushing, too. And they made a point of 
come visit us on the weekends. Oh, come to us. We're here to embrace you and your newfound liberalism. So I'm, I'm very, I'm kind of dramatic. When yeah, I see. But yeah, anyway, right. so she came home and she would argue with us at the table about how women couldn't have bank accounts until the 1970s. They couldn't have credit cards and they were pr- under, they were pressured. And I look at her and say, your, your, your um, victim mother picked you up and moved you to the Bahamas, got a job, supported you, sent you to private school, paid for your tennis lessons, paid for your figure skating. What are you talking about? My mother was, although legally married, she was a single parent who raised four children, one of them handicapped. We have never, we went to girls' schools. We've never experienced patriarchy. I'm, I never even had to show a resume in my life. You present yourself, you're your own credibility. There's no patriarchy. And, you know, even, uh, you know, I'd even worked in Wall Street for a little bit. So this is crazy. But she also, they did everything to keep blinders on. They've given them buzz. um, They've given them tools to ignore any parental love, parental emotion, parental rules, your cultural rules, everything. So even if she went to, say, church, on, um, you know, uh, candlelight service for Christmas Eve, something that's beautiful, even if you're not religious, everybody loves to do that, mm-hmm. right? Yep. She did the look on the face was like, I will not concede. I will not let it get into me. Right. It's not coming to me. So when I tell you these are zombies, it's no different than, than what the Moonies were, which, uh, you know, I knew mm-hmm. from the airports when I would leave school <laughs> in the late 70s, early 80s. We've had two people on today's show that were like should not have ever listened to this program and would, would not, you know, be, you know, friendly uh, per se to me um, and uh, the things that I but people liberals. This is why I keep saying liberals and Democrats, you have to separate them. They're not all just a block. You have to separate them from the extreme leftists. Those are the guys doing the damage. I think there's a lot of liberals and a lot of Democrats that are walking amongst us and they're either not awake or they don't want to wake up because they're kind of deep into it. And they're like, I don't know what to do. But once they wake up, they are on the Constitution side and common sense side. So um, we're talking to Melinda Rockwell and your daughter. Did you get her deprogrammed? How did you do that? This is what I did. And I've got to say, my mother and my sister were, were vital because they uh, assured me that I wasn't crazy. As I would um, go, I, I was on the tennis team in, here in um, uh, Palm Beach County. And I would have tears coming out of my eyes. You know, and I could only say this to certain people, you know, and, some, and you've got a lot of people saying, your daughter's grown, leave her alone. But my family, you know, validated everything and said, you've got to get help. So I started with um, looking up every sort of the programmer, cultic, international cultic uh, education, I think, studies, and uh, speaking to the famous cult programmers, the not so famous programmers, getting as much information as I could. And also dealing with another mother who was, um, we've known since kindergarten in New York, who was going through other issues with her daughter. And they were all appeasing. And the, most of them said, you must appease your children. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have to point out, I'm delicate with the words deprogrammer because it's, it's getting out there. But it's not necessarily legal. It's a very iffy. You can't just grab your child out of an actual cult. Right. Um, you know, although Catherine Oxenberg, you know, is a heroine. 
but you can't just do it. And some of them are very careful. And there's a wonderful lawyer, and he asked me not to actually mention his name, but he was very helpful. And I see his um, my old emails to him, and he referred me to two people. But it's not really legal. So, well, um, you know, I mean, it also deprogrammer also is going to be twisted. It already they have already started twisted into you're going to try to force your kids to be you know, um, anti-LGBT or, you know, conservative. No, I want my kids to critically think. They can make any decision they want, but I do not want them bowing down to some ideology, any ideology. I want them to critically think everything through. And when they can do that, if they choose to, you know, go this path or that path, that's up to them. Well, they've taken away the rights of parents. And I could give you, you know, so many, I don't have to tell you the reasons, but I, uh, I think I want to just interject quickly. Do you realize that New York State, and parents don't realize this, New York State um, has a law now that they're giving 13-year-olds uh, medical rights to decide mm-hmm. certain, including mental health laws for themselves, and the doctors and the hospitals associated with them email people, email the parents and say, please supply us with your child's direct email now that they're 13 or 12 and over because um, we will be dealing with them directly. So in it's every insane. last bit that they're trying to get rid of the parents, yeah. so when they're saying you're trying to deprogram away from LGBT or anything like that, you know, again, I'm a child of studio 54. I was underage, but I was there. <laughs> dancing, you know. Right. I knew transvestites before everybody else knew them. So this is a bunch of, you know, it's ridiculous. This is, you know, my eye doctor was Renee Richards. So, but, but you're fighting a, a wall of vicious militant people that are surrounding your child. So yes, you're right. They're saying it's, it's almost like, um, we, what's not the report, the praying the gay away. Uh, they have oh, a pay, that, uh, pray the gay away. Yeah. Yeah. In many states. Mm. So yes. And this is why it's a very legitimate, but I, I did the research. I even went so far as to go to the court records in Connecticut. There was a case that was, um, I forget if it was a, it was some sort of cult. And I got the expert witness, one of the expert witnesses out of that and contacted. So, um, it turned out that with all the information and don't forget, there are definitely charlatans out of there, out, out there. Oh, you bet. And even when I, I was trying to recontact, trace my foot and you know, speak to the people that I've spoken in 2015, I didn't get a call back from one. And the, the secretary is saying, well, he's very, very busy, you know. And I said, he's busy because my daughter has an article out. <laughs> you know, I would appreciate a phone call right. back. Not a, two of the ones that I consider charlatans did not return my recent calls. Um, the ones that are not asking for a lot of money, and I understand um, that, you're, you know, that you're in touch with one of them, those are the ones that I valued. So there was somebody eventually that was, um, but I did not do what most of them said. They were saying it was, if you can get, daughters are easy to get back. If you can get them back, it usually takes about seven years to really get them back to normal. And it did take about seven years for Annabella, as she says, to really have her mind back. And the answer to, I'm putting my will on her, is the appreciation and the, thank you, mommy, Thank you. At this age, right, you know, she just right. turned 30. Thank you for never giving up. She is the most happy um, adult. She is, has a full life. It is fulfilling. She is giving, she has a helpful life, but she is happy. And to see this, um, what was the old girl that we sent her off at 18. Come to back. To see her this way. 
but even more appreciative because mm-hmm. she was back from the dead. That I, is the answer. Melinda, I have to I have to thank you for what you're doing, because I, I want to talk about one more thing before we run out of time mm-hmm. and we're close. Uh-huh. Um, you're starting a foundation and a website, rockwellfoundation.org, and that's going to be up in February, right? And you'll have all of your research there. Yes, I will. And I have the research is not just on uh, college at all, because uh, I have nieces and nephews. Um, I want to quickly add this. Um, when my uh, when a, when a boy goes into a boys school, traditional boys school in New York City, and there's a man in a dress or skirt in a lower school assembly discussing consent mm. without the parents' knowledge or permission, that was a trigger. And so I have, and that was from G L S E N Gleason, which was founded by Obama. Right, schools right, are, right. Said that the man boy love was fine. Right. You'll, you'll have all of this and so much more. I'd love to have her back. Rockwellfoundation.org coming soon. Na, na, na.